All right, so as we transition into this new series, um, let me tell you a story that'll help this new series get set up. So several years ago, my family and I went up to a uh, fall festival up in the St. Augustine area, uh, one that had funnel cakes and popcorn and hay rides and a corn maze. And, and we just planned to go up there and just have a lot of fun together. And we did as a family until we got to the corn maze. And with my family, everything's a competition. So we decided we were going to divide up into teams and see who could make it through the corn maze the fastest and be announced the corn maze champion for that year. And so we divided up. My son and I were on a team. My wife and daughters were on a team. We ran into the corn maze, ready to go, ready to accomplish this, uh, this mission and come out as the champions. And uh, about an hour later, as my son and I found ourselves on the same path that we had been on a hundred times, I found myself saying a couple of words. And don't worry, they weren't curse words. But I did find myself saying these two words right here. Not again. We would end up on a path that I knew we had been on a hundred times and I would say, not again, Cody, not again. How did we keep up ending up on this same path? We went back, backtracked, we took a left and we ended up here. We went back, took a right, we ended up here. Not again. How do we keep ending up on this, in the same place again and again? Anybody ever said that on a corn maze? Yeah, a few of you. Yep, they're super exciting. But the reality is we've all said these two words in our lives. And many of us will say them this month. When our January credit card bill comes in and we look at our Christmas spending, we'll go, not again. How did I overspend again this year? Some of us will say that when we step on a scale and we realize we've eaten far too many Christmas goodies this year. I, I did that this past week and, and realized the, the scale asked me to politely get off because I had gained a little too much weight uh, this past Christmas. Some of us will say not again this year when we fall back into that bad habit that we've determined we'll never do that again. The stress of life comes and all of a sudden we give back into that thing and we end up saying, not again. Like how, how did I end up in this place Again, we've all said those two words. And you might be encouraged, you might be surprised to know that there are some pretty famous Christ followers who have said those two words in, in a form of, of a complaint. Um, the Apostle Paul is probably one of the most well-known Christ followers outside of Jesus who has really radically transformed the world with the message of God's love for us. And listen to how Paul said, not again, in Romans chapter 7. Verse 21, he said, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. So even the apostle Paul said and did things he didn't want to do and said, not again. Like, how do I keep ending up in this same spot? And I don't know if you're encouraged by that, but I'm super encouraged by that. But here's the great thing about these two words. These two words can be said as a complaint or they can be said as a declaration. 
they can be said as a complaint, not again. Like, how do I keep ending up in the same spot? Or they can be said as a declaration. I will not end up in the same place again. I will not do this again. So that's what we're going to explore in this series. How to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. And to do that, we are going to explore a familiar story to many of us. So if you've been a part of our church family for any length of time, you've probably heard me teach this story. If you're new with us, this will be maybe a new story for you. But I felt like God kept pointing me back to this story in scripture as the first step for us learning how to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. This story is found in Luke chapter 15. And verse one gives us the context of this story. It says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. He actually told them three stories. He told them the story of the lost sheep, told them the story of the lost coin, and he told them the story of the lost son. Now, these are known as parables in scripture where Jesus tells a story to make a point. So this isn't a true story. But as we go through this story, you'll probably recognize it could be a true story because it represents many of our stories. So Jesus said in Luke 15, 11, he said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So just imagine if one of your kids said that to you. I mean, this punk kid's basically saying, you know, dad, I'm tired of waiting for you to die so I can get my inheritance. Why don't you just go ahead and die now because I'd rather have your stuff than have a relationship with you. So what would you say to one of your kids if they said that to you? I mean, I would say to my kids, sucks to be you because I'm about to write you out of my will. You're about to get nothing, big goose egg, when I die. But in Jesus' story, this dad divided his wealth between his sons. Now, this dad's wealth would have primarily been wrapped up in real estate and livestock. So to answer his son's request, he would have had to sell some of his possessions, his property, and his livestock. And the Greek word here that's translated wealth means life. And so basically, this dad is not only dividing his wealth, he's dividing his life. He's tearing his life apart for his son. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you have been there with a family member, maybe one of your own kids. Verse 13 says, a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. So this is a dream come true for this young guy. I mean, he's got a pocket full of cash. He's moving to a new town. He's got a new camel with the top down. Like he's ready to spend some money and make some new friends. And you imagine the friends that he probably would have made in town as he rolled in, just ready to blow all that he had on wild living. But then the inevitable verse 14 comes along. Verse 14 says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So now at this point in the story, this guy has no money, no friends, no food. And verse 15 tells us he has no dignity. 
Verse 15 says, he persuaded or he begged a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him out into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So this was the lowest point for this young Jewish man. And Jesus crafted this part of the story specifically for the religious leaders who were listening. They would have known, like, this is the worst part ever. This is the worst thing ever. Like, no one uh, in that Jewish culture could ever imagine feeding pigs. For them, a pig was an unclean animal, something to be avoided at all costs. They wouldn't eat them. They wouldn't touch them. They wouldn't be around them at all. And here, this young Jewish guy finds himself in a spot he could never imagine himself being. Some of us know what that's like. Some of us know what it's like to be in a spot where like, I can never imagine that I would be here. I can never imagine that I'd be in this spot again, doing this stuff that I I never thought I would be doing. And that's where this young guy's at. But verse 17 shows us how to get out of places like that. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, Even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, this is a powerful, life-changing moment for this young man. This is the moment where he turns his not-again complaints into not-again declarations, and I want you to notice what he didn't say. So he didn't say, you know, if my party friends wouldn't have left me, I wouldn't be in this spot. He didn't say, if my dad wouldn't have given me all of my inheritance too early, I wouldn't have blown it all and ended up in this spot. He didn't say, if God wouldn't have caused the famine, I would still be okay. This guy basically said, I got myself into this spot and I have to take responsibility for that and get the help that I need. That admission is a powerful admission and that's the first step in turning our not again complaints into not again declarations. And until we make an admission like that, until we admit I have a problem and I need help, All of our not again complaints are just excuses for why it's not our fault. And maybe you've said some things like this. Maybe you know somebody who said some things like this. But uh, when somebody's caught in that not again complaint cycle uh, and using that as excuses, we blame our problems on other people. And this guy certainly could have been in that spot. He could have said, you know what? If my party friends wouldn't have left me, I wouldn't be here. If God wouldn't have caused the famine, I wouldn't be here. But he didn't say those things. He said, I got myself into this spot and I'm now coming to my senses. I have a problem and I need to get help for this problem. That's the first step. It's a powerful moment where this guy says, not again, not again. I'm not gonna do this same stupid thing again, end up in the same stupid places that I always end up. I mean, business this time. Now, let me ask this. How many of you have meant business before but didn't really mean business? Anybody willing to admit that? All right, I've got both hands. I'll put my feet up with that as well because there are moments that I mean business and then later I don't really mean business. One of my favorite words is the word tomorrow. 
especially as it's related to eating Christmas goodies or wonderful things that my wife likes to make and bake. And I just, just love my wife's cooking. But after eating some of the stuff that I know I shouldn't eat and I step on a scale, I'll often say, not again. I am not doing that again. Tomorrow, I'm making a change. Tomorrow comes and I say, not again. Tomorrow, I'm making a change. And then that cycle can continue for me far too long and I can postpone my decision to make a real change. And so we've got to be careful about that. We've got to turn tomorrow into today. We've got to say today's the day. Today's the day I have to take action. Today's the day I have to forgive that person. Today's the day I have to focus on that issue that I need help in my life. I've got to do it today. See, the difference between tomorrow and today is that tomorrow is always filled with good intentions and possibilities. But today can be and needs to be filled with action. We can't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. A great way to take action is to do something that we wouldn't normally do. You know, if we keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, what's that the definition of? Insanity. Insanity. So we're very familiar with that. So we gotta do something different. And there are times we gotta do something that's just radically different. One of the radically different things that we can do in this new year is the ancient spiritual discipline of fasting. And we're about to engage on a fast in our church in January 13th to January 26th. It's something that we start every new year off in our church with a fast. And if you're not familiar with fasting, there's a lot of buzz going around right now with fasting, especially intermittent fasting as it's related to losing weight. But biblical fasting is not related to that. It is related to giving up food in some amount for a specific period of time. You may lose some weight over that, but that's not the primary purpose of fasting, biblically. The primary purpose of biblical fasting is to give up something physical to gain something spiritual. It's to say no to something that our body desires, our body craves to get something that's far better for us. Fasting is an amazing tool that's been used for thousands of years to help people grow in their relationship with God. Uh, It can do things like teach us how to say yes to the right things, no to the wrong things. It can teach us how to delay gratification for better things instead of always taking instant gratification for the stuff that we want right now. And we are a right now culture that wants things instantly. We actually want things yesterday. And fasting, biblical fasting can help us wait and wait for something better that God can provide us. So the concept of walking through a biblical fast uh, is related to giving up food Typically, most often in scripture, it's related to giving up food. So that's what I'm going to be challenging us to do as a church family. You can give up other things beyond that. You can give, give up time on the internet, give up time on social media, you give up time on anything that's kind of a big deal to you. So the principle is giving up something that's a big deal to us to get something bigger from God. So if what you decide to give up is not a big deal to you, it's not going to be a big deal to God either. Like if you hate broccoli and you're going to fast broccoli for two weeks, like big whoop, no big deal to you, no big deal to God. But if you're going to give up something that's really big to you, God takes notice of that. And God will work through that in your life to bring you something even better. 
And I started my fast on January 1st, and I'm working my way in a direction towards what I'll be fasting, the things that I'll be setting aside for those two weeks uh, in order to uh, learn some things that I need to learn and make some declarations that I need to make in my life as well. We have at our Connection Center a fasting preparation guide. So if you're new to fasting, you want to learn more about it, just stop by our Connection Center before you leave. Pick this up. Spend some time reading it. It probably won't take you more than 10, 15 minutes. Some great information in here that will prepare you for our fast together. Now, if you're not new with us, if you've been with us as we've started every year in the life of our church with a fast, you might be saying, not again. Like, really? Again? It's January and we're going to do another fast? And I'll be honest with you, that's a question that I kind of ask myself every year. God, are we doing this thing again? And I thought, you know, what a great way to start the year of focusing on God, putting him first in, in everything. And scripture says, Matthew 6, that if we do that, if we seek God first, he'll take care of everything else. So I think it's a great way to start the new year. So if you aren't new with us, I encourage you to engage the fast in a new way this year. Don't skip it. Don't overlook it. Don't say, you know, I don't want to conform to what everybody's doing all at the same time. Like, let's do this together as a church and see what God might do in our lives as we do this. Again, January 13th through the 26th, and we'll end our fast by celebrating communion together. Another way to turn our not again complaints into declarations is to get help. And I want you to notice who this young man in Jesus' story turned to for help. Verse 20 says, he returned home to his father. So he didn't turn to his party friends. He didn't turn to the pig farmer. He didn't turn to the internet. He turned to his father who could give him the real help that he needed. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to turn to people who can really help us. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes we have this tendency of turning to the wrong people. Sometimes we turn to people that'll just say, ah, you don't really have a problem. Don't worry about it. You just keep doing what you're doing. It's not that big of a deal. But we need to turn to people who can really help us. We need to turn to people who can speak truth to us, who can hold us accountable, who can love us, who can pray for us, who can pray with us. We have to admit to them the issues that we're dealing with so that they can help us the best in our lives. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So admitting to ourselves, admitting to God, and admitting to someone else the nature of our struggle is a powerful way to get the help that we need. I know it's scary. Like, I get it. Confessing things to other people is really hard. I've done that in my life and I make it a regular habit because it's something that helps us turn our not again complaints into real declarations. So I want you to see what happened to this young man as he goes back to his father. Verse 20 continues and it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, 
filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. I just love this part of the story. You know, this young son uh, didn't think that he could even become his father's servant again. And so he goes home just in an attempt to try. And his dad not only receives him back in the family, puts him back in a right place in the family. And this amazing party begins, a party like this son has never experienced before. And I wish that I could say that all of our family reunions would be like that. I wish I could say that if you've blown it with somebody that you love, all you have to do is run back to them and sincerely apologize and work hard to fix the damage that you've created. I wish I could say that that everything will go well in that relationship, but it may not. If you continue to read in this story, you find out that the older brother refused to forgive his younger brother. And sometimes that's the experience that we have with other people that we're trying to rebuild stuff with. But we don't have those experiences with God. When we come to him, admit our sin, he welcomes us back and helps to change our lives. So listen to what 1 John 1, 9 says. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness or unrighteousness or wrong ways of living. So if we come to him, he's faithful and just. If we're honest about the issues that we're dealing with in our lives. He's faithful to forgive us and to help us clean up our lives. So what we're gonna do this morning as we close is we're gonna create an opportunity for us to talk to God. And maybe some of you this morning need to confess something to him. In just a moment, our worship team's gonna come out and close us in a, a final song. And as they do that, there may just be a few people here this morning that realize that you're coming to your senses this morning. You recognize that you need to turn your not again complaints into not again declarations. And if you're in that spot, I encourage you to have a conversation with God about that. Admit the nature of your struggle. Admit the nature of your sin to him. Ask him for forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness and let him help you turn a corner. Let him help you create a declaration in your life where you can live a new life. Another thing I encourage you to do is find someone this week, a trusted friend, someone that you know will speak truth to you, will maybe look past some of your excuses that you offer, and they will hold you accountable as you confess your issue, your struggle to them. You need to be honest with them. Don't confess part of it. Don't twist it so it sounds like you're just a victim. Like really be honest with them about the nature of what you're struggling with. Come to your senses in your conversation with them about what you're dealing with and ask them for help. Ask them to pray with you, to pray for you, hold you accountable and to have a regular conversation with you. I know that that's scary. I know that that's challenging. I've done it in my own life and we all can do it together and benefit from it. There just might be a few people this morning 
that are here that would say, you know what, I've never started a relationship with Jesus. Like, I can't turn to God for help because I don't have a relationship with him. Well, you can solve that this morning, and I encourage you, if you're in that spot, I encourage you to solve that today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come for you. Tomorrow may never come for us. Don't keep putting off the good intentions. Turn those good intentions into action today in this moment. And you can do that during our final song by just having a conversation with the creator of the universe. He's listening. The Bible says that God cups his ear to bend down to listen to us. And I love the beauty of that. God is listening this morning. So if you're in a spot where you're saying, listen, I need a relationship with Jesus to, to turn some things around in my life, you can have a conversation with him where you admit that you're in need of a savior, that you believe Jesus is your savior, and then you ask him to come into your life as your personal Lord and savior. If you need to do that this morning, I'm gonna guide you through a short prayer in a moment for that. If you need to talk to anybody about anything that, that I've talked about this morning that may have, have hit you, I encourage you to stop by our care center before you leave. So on your way out, there's a sign that says groups and care. If you need somebody to pray with you, pray for you, you just need to talk to somebody. You just need some ears this morning. Stop by there and talk to them. Somebody would love to listen to what, what you have to say and pray with, with you this morning. So if you would, let's pray together. As we're praying today, um, I'm just curious to know if there's anybody here that would say, you know, I'm in a spot where I recognize I need to turn my not again complaints into a not again declaration. And this is the morning that I'm doing that. If there's anybody here that would say that, I'm just going to ask you if you would, everybody's still got their heads bowed, their eyes closed. I'm going to ask, would you just slip up your hand real quick? Just hold up your hand. I see hands all over the place number of folks saying, like, I got to make a change. So I encourage you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I encourage you to leverage the power of this morning and this story that Jesus told and come to your senses and, and reach out to God for help. Admit to him the problem that you're dealing with. Reach out to somebody else for help. Do something radical. Like maybe this fast this year could be the time where you really make a change in your life. I'm also curious this morning, if there's anybody here who might say, you know what, I realize I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I need it. If you're in that spot, would you courageously just hold your hand up real quick for me? Just hold your hand up. Just take a second. I see two hands in the middle. Yep. Great. Anybody else? I appreciate those two courageous people holding up their hands. And if you're in that spot, here's where I encourage you to pray. To have a conversation with the creator of the universe that goes something like this. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. God, I believe that Jesus, you are that savior who died so I can live. And I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and my savior and guide me through the rest of my days. And if you prayed a prayer like that this morning, God has heard you and God will step into your life the Holy Spirit will take up residence inside of you and will guide you to the life that God desires for you. So God, this morning, we're so grateful for this amazing story that Jesus, you told so many years ago. The story that helps us today learn how we can turn our not again complaints into not again declarations 
Lord, we don't want to spend another year ending up in the same places that lead us to, to those same spots that we don't want to be in. Lord, we want to do some new things this year, new things in our relationships with other people, new things in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, help us to make some declarations this year. And as we walk into this fast, Lord, we understand that this ancient spiritual discipline can really help us do that. So, Lord, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our bodies for the amazing things that we can learn as we spend some time pursuing you above instant gratification. In Jesus' name.